everyone, and welcome to Sugar Pills, your practical guide to self-care. I'm your host, Candy Washington, and I can't wait to help you lead a more joyful life. So let's get started on this week's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care. And before we dive into today's episode, which will be a very meaningful conversation with Harma Hartuni, I wanted to make sure that you guys like, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to share it with a few friends. Send me a screenshot of your review to info at candywashington.com, and I will send you a free gift as a thank you. Don't forget to check out the show notes for free self-care resources and also to grab some goodies on my Basic Girl's Guide to Self-Care. It's all my favorite stuff that I love to use. So hopefully you will like it as well. So with that, let's dive into today's discussion with Harma Hartuni. So welcome, Harma. Thanks for having me. Yes. And for those of you guys listening who may not be familiar with Harma, he is a real estate entrepreneur and the author of Getting Back Up, a story of resilience, self-acceptance, and success. So I think we can all really use some guidance on that, especially now. So Harma, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background and then what brought you to writing this story, this, this memoir? Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I will, it's a, the book is basically the memoir of my life. Um, I was born in Hollywood hospital. I was 30 days old, moved to Iran. My parents are Christian Armenian. So we were a minority in Iran growing up, had a challenging upbringing with my father and, um, not knowing that I was gay, I just thought something is wrong with me. And I had a car accident at age of 18. I hit a car. I came out of a car, waited for police to get there. My car got totaled. Nothing happened to me on the first accident. And another car hit me and my both legs broke. It took me 11 months of recovery. I moved right after that to the United States in LA. And with a basically just I was just barely walking and couldn't speak English I struggled with adjusting my life here I came by myself I brought my brother and sister and my mom after I came out that's a whole different coming out to my family it's you can make a movie about that and um, I met my husband we've been together 18 years if you are gay and maybe older like me because younger generation most probably don't have the limited um belief that i used to have when you come out you just don't believe you can have a family or kids that kind of you kind of decide that i'll come out and that's it this is 20 years ago and i have three kids now and so i went against the odds um we did surrogacy have three beautiful kids um and we're both um, workaholic and we also care about our family and our my my mom my brother and sister they're the most supportive people now it wasn't like that I wrote about that in the book and I started doing real estate and um, it's been the only thing I've done since I moved here besides school mm-hmm. I love it I don't know anything better and I had my obstacles in real estate and um, I wrote the book for my kids to learn from all the lessons of my life that I've gone through and how that shaped my 
leadership skill set. And it was just a lesson. I just had this vision. If I ever die, I want my kids to have a video or, or writing from me so they can learn from it. Because what I have gone through, they're not going to go through it. And hopefully no one else should go through it. And, but the, when I wrote it, my husband goes, you should make it a book. Yeah. And I never thought about writing a book. So it turned out to be a book. And now it's called Getting Back Up. I love that. I love that your book is really, it's almost a love letter to your children. You know, it's almost, <laughs> it's just listening to you, that's kind of what came up for me. It's a love letter to them. It's a, it's a letter telling them how to love themselves and giving them permission to step into their authentic, true versions of themselves, which you have, you know, been able to do, which is phenomenal. Um, I think a lot of people, even, you know, my generation and, and our, the younger folk will still get something out of what you're saying, because also um, the landscape for LGBTQT and that, uh, you know, sexuality might have changed. I think it's still difficult to come out to parents or siblings who are from that older generation and who may still have that mindset. So although our peers might be more open to it, and I think the media is getting more and more open to it, that might be a very different conversation around the Thanksgiving table with your uncle or your mom or your grandpa. So I think that um, your story will definitely resonate um, across generations. And then I also wanted to see what type of mindset do you have or did you have to um, sort of get or shift to to be able to take the trauma that you've had in your life, you know, from, you know, being gay, Middle Eastern, um, the, your car accident, learning how to walk again, that that's a lot of trauma to have in a person's life. And I think to transform your trauma into triumph, you have to have a certain mindset. So do you have any you know, guidance or what's your personal mindset on, on, on that? Yes. And this is a great question. The, uh, let me, just, let me re answer your question with a question first is yeah. that why would I have gone through a lot of things and the book will expand. And I wrote it as a lessons and fun. I made it interesting, not to make it like, Oh my God, look at me. These are the things happened to me. The mm-hmm. question is there are a lot of others have gone through worse than mine but and there are people that have built such a bigger life and success to me is not the income it's not where you live it's it's the lives that you have changed and mm. can claim not what you say i have done it's like you truly can claim that and how how did i manage to get back up literally and um and I will say that I didn't have a choice. Everything happened to me. It was not a false hope there. And I think a lot of people that I have met that I coach right now, and I either, either I coach them in business or their personal life, they have false hope that I, my mom will take care of me for a few months. I'm going to see I didn't have the mom to pay or take care of, or I didn't have a shoulder to cry. And she was one of the reasons that I couldn't come out. I couldn't tell anyone how I felt because I had no one that I could trust mm-hmm. back home in Iran. And even here, I had struggled for years to tell myself it's okay to be who you are. I financially, I didn't have 
any aid from anyone, no family, no extended family. So I had to literally make money the next day so I can survive. So what I learned from all this, and if I can narrow that for anyone who's listening, there's just like, okay, give me the one sentence. I will call it, have a five minutes funerals for everything that bad can happen to you and move on. Mm-hmm. And it, and I just move on very fast. If I go to listing appointment in my business and I don't get it, five minutes, cry, learn from it, move on. I have recently my bag, my computer, cash, my medication, my book. This is like two nights ago. <laughs> Literally, they walked into my car, they grabbed my bag and they left. Huh. And I got home and I find out at home. I didn't find out at the store. Well, and then I literally, I hacked the kids and I, I have to be honest with you. I had a tequila shot right there ready to go. So, <laughs> but, um, but I moved on. I just moved on. I bought my computer next day and I just prayed that whoever has the, the bag and the money and all that, I hope they have a family they can fit because it should be a good day for them and just meditated on that and moved on. I do have a lot in a computer. I can cry over it or my the, the the way my dad treated me i can use that and do so many bad things to myself and people around me in that just i just didn't have the choice i and then you just i've learned my my habits changed to just move on fast and accept what happened but you can't write a new chapter in your life if you're still reading the last chapter Exactly. Um, and I, I definitely, what I heard in that was, I think you did make a choice. I, I, you may not have had a choice, but you made a choice. You made the choice to not let what happened to you or what other people may think about you ultimately define you. And I think that's a really uh, remarkable and great mindset to have, where it's, I have no choice, but I still choose to move forward. And I also love um, that you're talking about the, the power of, to me, what I heard was just the power of letting go and the power of adaptability. So you're able mm-hmm. to let go of things that may have been negative or traumatic. And then from that place, you adapt. You're like, okay, well, you know what? I don't have the money for this. I'm going to adapt and I'm going to make the money. You know, I got into this mm-hmm. car accident. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to relearn how to walk and I'm not going to let it stop me. Um, you know, I may be struggling with my um, sexuality and, and identity, but I'm going to let that go. And, you know, one day I will find the courage to come out and live my truth, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks. So I think that you have a really great mindset of letting go and adaptability. And when faced with no choice, you made the choice to, mm-hmm. to choose yourself. And I think that's really great. Um, And also what I really loved about your story and everything that you're saying is there seems to be this level of um, tenacity that you have, you know, finding tenacity during your darkest moments. Because I think some people would make the opposite choice to what you're talking about. They would choose to dwell or they would choose to be limited by, or they would choose to use external circumstances as excuses for not moving forward. You know, we can say like, oh, I was gay. That's why I'm not this. Oh, I got in this car accident. That's why this didn't happen to me. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't have the money. This happened to me. So some people stay stuck in their negative story as a way to have an, an excuse not to step into their full potentiality, which you've done. You know, you have a husband, three beautiful children. 
you're a real estate mogul, you have this gorgeous book that I think everyone should get and read. So what are some of your insights on finding that internal tenacity when things aren't going your way, when things are dark? How do you see that light at the end of the tunnel and you're able to keep moving forward? I... I've got great analogies and people around me usually laugh. They said, you and your analogies, you know, because I translate some of them from Farsi or Armenian that I speak and it doesn't kind of make sense. But then when I say it, ultimately you will be like, okay, I get it, but the analogy didn't make sense. So I'll do my best to make it short and fun. So uh, let's, let's use a, as a human, you're standing on a cliff and then a big rock, it's next to you also on a cliff and you, someone pushes you down and the rock down and you both roll down, roll down, roll down and bottom of the cliff, you both hit the ground and you both get in pieces and die. The rock dies, you die. If you go back, the rock goes all the way down and doesn't make any sound. But as a human, we make a lot of sound until the end. So when I saw that in an article once and I was like, if there is a process that you have to go through, you have a choice that you know that's the end. Why are we making a lot of noise and crying and telling everyone and self-pity ourselves all day, carrying the whole negative energy around it when you know you have to go through it? People go through divorces, health issues. I personally have gone through health issues last year. You will think everything should be great. No, it's not. But I knew that in order for me to get rid of the health issues I had, it was a nine months process of my, my entire GI had to be fixed. Every day was difficult for me to get up, but I had a business to run. I had a commitment to my kids, my agents, my staff. So you remind yourself, if, the, if you have to go through the process, you are responsible for others and lives and yourself. You can't say, I'm just not going to eat good now because I'm dealing with something else or I have to deal with coming out. So I'm just going to withdraw from my uncle and mother who's been so supportive of me. You can't associate one trauma with nine other part of your life or 10, I don't know, however you have. So I, I will say, just make sure that you are not combining a bunch of stuff and still be responsible for coming out of it positively. And number two is, if you have nothing bad in a sense of pain of growth, you're not growing as a person. If everything is going your way, I believe you're in the wrong lane. Mm. It's, if you look at it like that, if I wake up and I give you another analogy, my phone as an owner of the company never rings, um, uh, never ever rings. And um, I don't get people to call me and just say, Harma, I'm so glad I just did this or I have this <laughs> transaction mm -hmm. or a positive thing. Mine rings when there's something bad happen and they're all panicked, right? So one day, um, my agent who's amazing was an elderly woman, started real estate. Everybody thought she will never make it. She worked every day, six hours on the street knocking and she was very wealthy. She didn't need the money. She just had the drive. And I told her, I said, you can do this. Ignore everyone in the neighborhood. They told her she doesn't fit in her or she's not the fit in with the neighborhood or her, her background and where she was from. And I said, let's do this. You're going to do it. And she started knocking and knocking and knocking. And I was very proud of her within maybe 45 days. 
I got a voice voicemail from someone says that this woman knocked on my door every two weeks. I'm sick of it. I'm going to sue you. I'm going to sue her. She's annoying me. She says about, she drops off a paper and tells me about the market condition and real estate. I just can't stand her. She was all panicked. And I hung up the phone and I looked at her. I said, congratulations, you're <laughs> doing something. Yeah. Because if my phone rings, that means you're doing something. If my phone doesn't ring, that means you're really not doing anything. So don't be afraid to disrupt the market you're in, whatever you are, whatever you're, uh, you do, you got to be the voice. You got to make a change. You got to feel the pain. You got to feel the people around you and nothing is wrong to learn out of it. And don't be afraid of that. Yeah. I love that because if you're not getting any type of pushback, if you're not getting any type of feedback, then that means you're not making an impact. So I love, I love that. Yeah. So she, like what she was doing was impactful. And of course you're always going to get, you know, the haters and the naysayers, but that to me is sort of like a cost of entry when you're doing anything that's meaningful. You know, if you weren't doing something that was meaningful, people usually aren't looking, aren't going to bother you. Um, I heard one time like dogs don't bark at parked cars. So clearly you're going <laughs> somewhere and that's why they're barking at you. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. And I also um, would love to touch upon the power of self-acceptance. It seems like that was a part of your journey. And I don't know if you know Neville Goddard, but he said something that everyone is you pushed out, which basically means when you accept yourself, when you love yourself and you respect yourself, that's when other relationships and other people will accept you, love you, respect you. So what was kind mm -hmm. of your journey to um, self-acceptance? I'm going to go back for a minute. I don't even know how long I have, but quickly back home, there is no gay, right? We don't have gays. The, so you can sleep with a man, but you're not gay. Okay. So I grew up with that. So I didn't know that you can go and have a date with another man, or you can tell the person is my partner and then be comfortable to call husband. It just, it, it, I couldn't, I really could not comprehend that. So I came from a community that I was okay to marry a woman mm -hmm. and just do whatever I need to do. My desire of what I want didn't come first. What you do for the culture and the family around you is first, not what you want. It's never about what you want. And I wrote about that in my mom, how my mom had to marry my dad. It was not what she wants. It's about what she had to do, right? Mm -hmm. So I come embedded like that. And I come to a country that, First thing there's that you're 18, you do whatever you want. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I know I have whatever I want, but I have to ask like 19 people and they have to be involved <laughs> in my decisions. So, and I remember someone asked me that, you know, wants to take me out to dinner and a guy, and I said, why dinner? I just don't understand why you and me have to have dinner. I just really couldn't understand that. So through the process of being okay with who I am, I had to take that child inside me that I ignored for years, bring him out, which he started crying with me, telling all the stories that happened to me in a childhood with my father and my, and between their, my mom and dad and all that. So I had to embrace so much, not just because of my sexuality. And then while I was going through that, my mom was pressuring me. Are you, who are you going out? Who are you going out? I see your phone is ringing certain guys. Is your phone going to make you gay? Is that guy going to, I know who he is. He's going to 
to it was like so much from every corner from aunt and everyone else and once I accepted myself I was like everyone around me except me now <laughs> and someone very smart said it took you 21 years to be okay with yourself you want everyone around you to be okay in 20 minutes give yeah. them time and demonstrate that you actually love yourself so you're absolutely right it took me a time to even love myself I didn't know what that meant I really never connected with myself and um and people have to read through it telepathically people look at your eyes they know if you mean what you're saying so throughout this process i managed to earn the respect from within my inner circle and they realize he hasn't changed and it doesn't affect what he's doing in his personal life but and they had, I had to basically have them see my perspective. And it was a lot of work because, again, my, my family were not exposed to much. Mm -hmm. So, but it took a process. And the moment I loved myself kind of didn't matter. And I'll tell you something. Once you're successful, for some <laughs> reason, it makes it much easier for people around you. It's just like they're all like, oh, he's, um, it, it just helped because I was supporting a lot of people. And it's, they didn't really nag me as much as they did in the beginning yeah and I also think once you love and accept yourself you no longer need anybody else's validation you no longer right. need their permission you no longer need um their approval to be who you are and then once you stop needing it you you get it you know it's like any type of relationship when you're not the needy and when you're not desperate when you're not please pick me choose me love me want me then that's when you get it because you get it from yourself first. So do you have any um, parting words of wisdom for us? If there was a few things that we should get from our conversation, what are those things that you really want us to know? Don't let anyone else's limited belief mm -hmm. put a cap on your growth. And um, you will in your life, I mean, I'm not that old, but in my life, I have come across more people. They said, I cannot do it. Mm -hmm. It's not good to do it. I shouldn't do it. Um, then I had people to say, do it. If that is, if you ask anyone who has anything to show, they will say that. Model someone who has what you want to have, if not more. Never model someone with less than what you're looking for. It doesn't mean you cut out all the friends around you. It doesn't mean you just disown your family, but it is okay to build a new family. Um, if you're in a relationship, as a impersonal relationship, love is not the first sight. And whoever is listening to this, they don't like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> love is when you grow into it and you start learning how to love each other deeper and deeper. The first is just a chemistry. Um, have a relationship with someone that brings the best of you out, not the worst. They want you to be you. You don't have to be someone else all the time. It's exhausting. And, and lastly, um, if you are younger, model people. If you're older, don't try to be someone you're not and try to change and build a passion career, focus on your skill set. And then 
you can have passion in cooking, you can have the best food, you can have the best kitchen, but build a career based on your skill set. I hear a lot of people say, my passion was this, I'm just going to do that. And then the passion alone without a skill set or commitment will never go anywhere. So um, my passion is fishing and you don't see me on the boat fishing right now. So, um, but, so I, that, I mean, I have so many more advice that anyone wants to reach out. I'm happy to help, but um, that's pretty much what I have. No, I, I, I love all your advice and soaking it all in, especially about passion. I know I heard um, passion is for you. What, what really brings you joy? And then your purpose is for other people. How do you serve? And what value you add to lives of others. So your passion is what you do to fill yourself up. And your purpose is how you serve others. I love that. And speaking of connecting with you, um, where can we find your book? Where can we find you? I will have everything linked in the show notes. But I would also love for you to share with us how we can I, find you and support you. Thank you. My, my book is um, on Amazon. There's a hardcover paper uh, back as well as the Kindle will be released March 9th. The pre-order link is already there. My website is myfirstnamelastname.com, Harma, H-A-R-M-A-H-A-R-T, like Tom, O-U-N, like Nancy, I.com. I have an email there, info at harma.hartuni.com. I'm happy to guide you, help you, shoot me any message you have. I'm happy to respond. And I truly appreciate you, Candy, to actually do this because I speak on a lot of real estate um, and business articles, but um, to more and more, I got to know what you do and read about you, the most influential woman in LA lifestyle, <laughs> as well as all the things you have achieved in a young age. You don't see that. And I can only imagine you, how many no's you have received and you huh? managed to do this. So congratulations to you. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think uh, no, no became uh, my favorite word. I had, had to change my mindset because I'm like, okay, one, no, I'm, it's closer to a yes. And I hear no a million times more than I hear yes. But I think um, like you, I, I made, when I had no choice, I made the choice to choose myself. So, so yeah. So and I you know what? No is like not yet. Yeah. No, it's like, it's no, no right now. No, not right now no, not yet, or no, something greater. Can I just give you one more analogy? Yes. Oh my God. We can talk for as long as you want. I just want to make sure I'm not giving too, I don't have too much of your time. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So have you ever gone to a department store and to look for shoes? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when you walk in, right, when you walk in and you, the moment you step into that area that, I mean, you ladies have a lot more shoes than men, right? But options, but you walk in and the gentleman or lady comes close to you and just say, can I help you? What do you say? First thing. No, thank you. <laughs> but the question is, what the hell are we doing in a shoe department? It's, that's, and, then, and then when you do find the one you like, you took your, your shoe, you raise your hand, you start moving, you're looking There's at the no camera and the ceiling. No one is there no to one help is you. There. <laughs> So use that analogy. When they someone says no, it's just like they really, really got them on the wrong time. They don't even know what you said. They didn't even hear you. Do it again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing I learned about um, just getting really comfortable with the no is getting better at making it easier for people to say yes. So just making mm-hmm. sure that I know um, a my energy is coming from a place of service. So hey, I'm reaching out because I have value. I want to help you. I have something to, 
either make your job easier or I have what you're looking for rather than a place of please pick me, please choose me. Like I'm so desperate, like, please want me, especially as like a creative professional, our identity is so tied up. And, you know, if you're acting or doing anything on camera or anything like that, we kind of get our identity and self-worth enmeshed with whether or not we're being chosen by somebody else. And 99.9% of the time, it literally has nothing to do with us. It's so not personal. So I really had to learn to know that a, yes, I'm a creative person. So what I'm doing, I'm my product, but it's not my person. You know, I like my self-worth is not tied into whether I book something or get something. That's what I do. It's not who I am. And when I was able to get perspective around that, that's when the work became fun because then I can go in and it's like, Oh, I'm at this audition and I'm just going to go and have fun and, and just show up and have a good time. You know, um, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, my time at Disney and Harma's husband also works at Disney. And I remember my first audition um, for Disney style and I went in and I just did my thing and I let it go and I didn't hear back for a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, I guess that was it. And then I, and then once I let it go, I got the call and they're like, Hey, like we loved you. Do you want to come in? Like we, we want to like book you for it. So again, it goes back to what you were talking about so beautifully earlier was, you know, the mindset of letting go and adapting. So do what you have to do, let it go and then adapt to your next move. And I think having that level of resiliency and that and that mindset really is helpful both in life and in business. And I think you are a clear example of that. And, and I love this book that you wrote to your children that's going to touch and motivate and help so many other people. Yeah, don't be attached to the result. Mm-hmm. You got it. You, you can't, which sometimes I still struggle with. <laughs> like yeah, I want it, exactly. I want it now, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's a daily choice. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Harma. And I just thank appreciate you. your time and everyone go out, get the book. It is linked in the show notes and until next time, everyone be well. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining me and please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend. Head over to Instagram and join me at Candy Washington. I can't wait to hear from you.